Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at NewBalance.com. What's up? Good morning. It's Tuesday, June 2nd. You're listening to the College Football Daily. My name is Trey Scott. I'm joined today by Charles Power, 24-7 Sports College Football Writer. Charles, we've got some big news over in South Carolina, your neck of the woods. Uh, Clemson star receiver Justin Ross, who caught 66 passes last year, eight touchdowns, is not going to play this season. He was diagnosed with a congenital fusion of the spine his his football career period might be in jeopardy. Doctors discovered this issue. Ross suffered it during a routine play during uh, spring f- practice in March. Dabo Sweeney announced the news Monday, and so we're just sort of this is. I mean, for Clemson, this is devastating news. You would think. And Charles, I thought immediately of you as someone to talk to about this because you're pretty well versed not just in college football, but Clemson wide receivers in general. I remember last year when Trevor Lawrence had that interception problem, the first few games, first half of the season, you were on top of that as saying, Hey, he doesn't have much variety of wide receiver. And that was sort of ahead of the curve. So you're sort of the, the soothsayer here. And so I, I figured we'd all could learn a little bit from you, but I'm going to start off by asking you a, a compare and contrast question, Charles, and it might be the same answer for both, but when you woke up on Monday morning and I had said, hey, let's rank our top 25 teams for the preseason in 2020, I want to know where, Charles, would you have put Clemson? Uh, probably, I probably would have leaned towards putting them first. Like, okay. I, I, th- I, I think it's, I would have to kind of, that would be one of the tougher decisions to make with them or Ohio State, but I would have probably, it would have been a maybe coin flip, but I probably would have leaned putting Clemson first. All right, so now this morning. Justin Ross news, their leading receiver, he's gone. T. Higgins already off to the NFL. Would you change where you would have Clemson? I would. I would seriously think about it. Uh, I, I think probably. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I would want to maybe dig a little more in Ohio State's defense. Um, but I, I think both those are cl- the clear top two teams. I mean, this obviously we can, we can get into this a little more. It's obviously a pretty big loss for Clemson. Um, you know, both teams have their unknowns. I think they're probably the two most talented teams coming in, and especially when you factor in the value of the quarterback position. Um, but I, I think Clemson's like defense could be better next year. I think they could maybe improve on their. They were top three last year in yards per play, and I think they could be even better next year with just kind of how much um, more leeway they're going to have with, with their incoming you know pass rush. I think just the, the the front is going to be so much better. That'll Brent Venables will be able to do a lot more. So. Um, you know, if anybody want, if anybody kept Clemson first after this, I, I would completely understand that. Like, I, I think they're still going to be a really good team. And Trey, I mean, if you look at their schedule, like, do you see a hard game before they play Notre Dame in November? No, I mean Louisville in week two is yeah, I mean, a game you circle only because it's such a bad schedule. You're just grasping. You're just kind of reaching. I mean, yeah. Odds are, like, you know, they might have a close game. Like they had that that game against UNC last year. I mean, how many teams go through and just don't even play a close game all year? But like, it's just hard on paper to find that to pin down that game before they would go to South Bend. So um, I, mean, I still think you got to feel really good about Clemson's chances regardless of, of the injury. 
I, I feel good. Like, I, I think they're still going to run the table in the regular season. The problem was, and you know this as well as anybody, last year in the playoff, their receivers struggled against premier competition, T. Higgins and Justin Ross both. Justin Ross probably would not have been a first-round pick in 2021. I don't know, but would have been up there. And, and T. Higgins was obviously the first pick of the second round this year. And those guys really couldn't get anything going against the guys like Jeff Okuda and Derek Stingley. And so now you ask a totally unproven group of receivers to try to match that or one up it. Because again, it's, it's not really about the regular season for Clemson. We're assuming that that defense is enough. Trevor Lawrence, for my money, the best quarterback in the game is enough. Travis Etienne, who we'll talk about too. And they've of course got talent, but this would severely in my mind hurt them when it comes time to play the three other best teams in college football. But the good news for them, Charles, is they have a long time to figure that out and a lot of games to get reps for a lot of young, talented players who are probably itching to be next up at wide receiver U. Yeah, and I think we need to say, I mean, obviously, like, you know, thoughts are with Justin Ross. This, 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 The news sucks, and I hope that he can get back and this doesn't affect his career. And it's one of those things, too, where, you know, on the other side of the coin, you're kind of glad that they found that because if he was running a risk of getting hurt even worse if he had you know continued to play so um yeah I I I think you know like I I think this is a good point Trey is looking at the kind of the it, the the schedule is going to give them time to, to work the kinks out a little bit so you just kind of hope that if they do have a close game that that you know everybody's kind of you know um they're able to kind of rebound and they don't get caught um, with some inexperience there. But I think they're, they're equipped to kind of have some more of those, um, you know, supporting pieces to the offense uh, via other positions this year um, to kind of kind of support that maybe a little more so than last year, especially with a tight end, uh, which we were kind of talking about before we came on. Um you know, Clemson essentially didn't have a tight end last year, like entering the season, because Braden Galloway missed the regular season with the, um, you know, the 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 PED suspension from the prior playoffs, so he w- wasn't eligible until the college football playoff this year. So I I think he he could really be a factor. I think he's as talented a tight end as Clemson's had, um, you know, at least in several years. Um, I, he could be that kind of Jordan. You know, we were talking about it in 2015. They had that Jordan Leggett. Um, uh, year where he kind of broke out, and that was the year where Mike Williams kind of had the similar injury. I mean, a neck, a season-ending yeah. neck injury. Um, not you know, not a, maybe a, a like a congenital issue like uh, Justin Ross, but you know, he smacked into the the goalpost against Wofford, really kind of a, a freakish, scary injury. Um, but but they, Clemson, kind of cobbled together a, a pretty good passing offense that year. With Artavis Scott, who was a slot guy, they have Amari Rodgers coming back, so he can maybe take that role. Um, and, and then uh, Jordan Leggett was really kind of dangerous working up the seam, and I think Brayden Galloway could be that guy. And then their their top returning receiver is actually Travis Etienne, so I think they'll get creative with how they use those guys and have them kind of support um, the younger receiver group. Yeah, Etienne caught thirty seven passes last year and was a monster in that regard in the Fiesta Bowl against Ohio State, and in fact, for a period of time, was really their only offense that they had. And before we move on to the other receivers, the ETN implications, first of all, let's not forget he came back for his senior season. That decision right now especially looks massive. Like, yeah. ter- you know, 
I don't think Clemson would have lost a game anyway in the regular season, but he, he might be worth a few wins. And if you're looking for a running back to win the Heisman, and we were talking about this earlier today, Charles, just on the side, I don't know if that's going to happen for a while. And I don't, I'm not saying ETN would be the number one guy. It's probably Chuba Hubbard at Oklahoma state, but Hey, you want someone who's going to get it done in both, both facets of the game. And ETN, if he gets enough touches on the ground, you would think he's going to add to 37 receptions this year as, as the leading returning receiver. You think Tony Elliott's probably going to involve him frequently, especially as he, as these young guys come along as sort of Trevor Lawrence's security blanket. Yeah. I'm kind of in the camp of, uh, I, I'm kind of in the believe it when you see it camp for running backs and Heisman's. Now I think if, if running backs, I think if, if a running back is going to win the Heisman, nowadays it's typically because they're completely carrying a team so it would take like a trevor lawrence injury or trevor lawrence just not playing well i think for etn to to jump him in like a heisman conversation um when you look at guys who who the running backs who have gotten in there it's like jonathan taylor bryce love Derek henry um guys who just really were you know weren't playing with like spectacular quarterbacks so um I, yeah, yeah, I, I, but I do think I, I do agree. Like it's, it's a huge decision. Like who would Clemson's starting running back be if he didn't come back? Would it be Lynn J. Dixon, Lynn J. Dixon, Dixon, and Demarcus Bowman? I mean, Demarcus Bowman's super talented. We had him as a five star, but um, you know, that's we're we're talking about like college football playoff teams. You know, you typically don't want to be counting on true freshmen. Um, it, 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 you would want these guys to be more of like a pleasant surprise kind of thing than a, a, a necessity. I'm not sure if you take away ETN after taking away Higgins and Justin Ross, if I mean, you look at that team, Lynn J. Dixon and some receivers who we're going to get to, and then four or new starters along the offensive line, like I would have some serious concern, but thankfully for Clemson, ETN's back. I'm thinking monster season coming up for him. And again, you got Trevor Lawrence as a junior, he's going to be thrown to some relatively new targets, but these guys are all talented. You already talked about Amari Rogers going to fill that slot role. And let's not forget, Charles, one of the, the crucial points of your story last year of the, what's wrong with Trevor Lawrence was Amari Rogers, as he returned rather quickly from that ACL injury, wasn't full speed yet and thus wasn't operate, uh, offering a sort of slot or down the middle, down the seam presence for, for Trevor for Trevor Lawrence to throw to. And so he was sort of doing feast or famine on the outside. But, but he'll be there. And then you've got some other guys who are really talented recruits. You saw a little bit of Frank Ladson last year. You saw a little bit of Joseph Nagata, who the coaches were really high on, but wasn't he, he wasn't awesome. Just 17 catches, and Nagata had nine, but three touchdowns. And then you've got Brandon Spector, who was a red shirt, another slot type. And then EJ Williams was a, was a player who uh, signed this past year, 2020 cycle, number 68 player in the country, also out of the state of Alabama, I believe, the same hometown as Justin Ross. I could be wrong there. So when you look at those guys, you got a guy who you think is uh, who you think is gonna maybe have the best chance to to be the next face of that receiving court. I would probably lean towards towards Joe, Joe Nagata just because he's so talented, like physically, athletically. I mean, he's a guy where you know I I met, measured him at the All American Bowl check in um, two Januarys ago, and he's a guy when you see him, you're just like kind of like wow, like. He's just got like huge hands. I think he's he added a good bit of weight once he got to Clemson, but he was already had a pretty big frame. I think he's like six three two fifteen now. But he's a guy just kind of when in terms of how he moves and and just physical in terms of the physical gifts, he's a guy who just has a lot of potential. Um, 
but he and Frank Ladson are both a little similar in that they're very talented, but um, you know, as freshmen and kind of as as prospects coming out, because we we looked at them very closely, kind of as top 100, top 50 prospects. But they're they're kind of like a little raw, underdeveloped. Definitely needed some polish, and that was evident kind of as freshmen last year. They they showed flashes, and but um, you know, David Hale from ESPN had this stat today. Um, they, they had eight drops on 33 catchable targets, but, but beyond the line of scrimmage this year, so or in, in 2019. So, um, yeah, I think it's a deal where it's going to be big, and that's one thing that's kind of affected by this weird offseason is we a, a lot of times receivers and quarterbacks kind of make that jump uh, in, in in voluntary workouts in the summer, and they, I don't know how much of that we're going to have. So, I, I mean, the, really, the big uh, you know, the, the, the big focus for Clemson is going to be, I think, getting Trevor Lawrence um, on the same page with those guys. Because it's, I don't think you're going to have a lot of the same issues that you might have had with, um, in terms of the ability to create separation that you had with, with T. Higgins and Justin Ross. Like both Nada and Ladson are more athletic than those other two, but they're almost kind of different where they aren't guys who are going to be like, you know, jump ball targets, making crazy acrobatic contested catches. That's not really their game. So you almost kind of like you went from like one end of the spectrum to, to the other. And you kind of want, if you're Clemson, you kind of want to bridge that gap and, um, you know, just kind of have those guys create a little more polish. Um, EJ Williams, I think is, is a little different. Like he's just, he's a guy who is maybe not spectacular in any category. He's not, um, but, but he's just all around pretty good. Like I, I think he's set up to come. I, of the receivers that were coming out last year, it was a, it was a pretty strong class nationally in terms of the high school prospects. I think EJ Williams is one of the more polished, just kind of well-rounded receivers. Um, you know, solid athlete, not amazing, um, but he's got some you know te- technical route running skills. I think he's a little further along um, technically than, than Nada and Ladson. So I think he's a guy that you, that you could put in. Um, the other receiver they signed, a, a Joe, a Joe. I would like. I would be surprised. Like he's like a redshirt guy. He's he came over from Canada. He's only played like one year in, in the United States. Didn't really even know how to line up <clears throat> before he got um, to the U.S. his senior year. So I would think anything you get from him would be a complete bonus. So I would kind of focus on EJ Williams among that group. And, and Brandon Spector, I think, is a guy that, that could certainly get in the mix as well. Um, we just haven't seen a ton of him. It's it's just interesting. All of those guys are most of you know, with, with the exception of Spectre, were really highly rated recruits. And nobody listening to this is going to feel bad for Clemson trying to plug an injury with kids who were top 100 recruits. It's just that there was this line of succession that had been clearly drawn where you go, all right, T. Higgins to Justin Ross. And then while Justin Ross is the guy, you're going to give a chance for Ladson and Ngata and, and EJ Williams to step up. And now you sort of remove that buffer year. And you're asking some of these frankly kids to turn into to not just not the next Justin Ross but pretty close to that and, and try to help Trevor Lawrence win a, win a national title in his last season of college football I think the pressure is going to be on but as we sort of wrap this up I, I think we're both in agreement that there's talent here it's going to take some time but again when you're Clemson you have the benefit of the time because you're so good in every other facet and you your schedule just is not very challenging right especially early on no it's 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 i think i i think honestly the news is well the news obviously is worse for justin ross than anybody and and i hate to sit here and be like you know charles is he a first round pick in 2021 should he come back who knows but 
he'll have surgery later this week. Dabo says he's Dabo Sweeney says he's he's in good spirits and and ready to kind of see where life takes him. So I'm just hoping for the best for one of college football's best players. And I think anyone listening, again, whether you're a, a macro college football fan and you kind of barely know who Justin Ross is, or if you're a diehard Clemson fan, I think you know you sort of got some good stuff here, and, and I think you you learned a lot. So Charles, thanks for coming on and. uh before I let you go, you have to call your shot. Who leads this team in receptions next year, this year? Ooh, in receptions? I probably would go, oh, man. I probably would go, I think they've had an outside receiver lead, lead receptions most of the time, but I think I, I just based off, I would guess Amari Rodgers probably. Um, but but I, I, think it, I think it'll be fairly well dispersed. Like last year, actually, Justin Ross led them in receptions despite T. Higgins having more yards. So um, they've had a pretty pretty even target share but I, I guess i mean i guess i would say amari rogers assuming he you know is is back to full go but um I, shoot it could be any of those three we'll see stay tuned all right that's going to do it for today's episode of the college football daily leave us a five-star rating leave us an apple review tell us what you want us to talk about we'll have charles back on very soon thanks again charles This is Tony Kornheiser's show. I'm Tony. We expected someone else. So what exactly is the show about? Hmm, I don't know. It's a sports show nominally. Football's over, but we're finally at a point where things matter in college basketball and baseball season is on deck. Greatest three words in the English language, pitchers and catchers. We have some of the best voices come on and explain what matters or what makes an upset, like Ryan does, (laughs) nine over eight. No, that's not an upset. No, yeah, it is, Bob. And if you're lucky, I might just tell you about my search for discounted sleep pants or my worries about what my dog just ate. Listen on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts.